Boxeo is back on the In This Corner podcast with Brian Campbell. Yes, that's the voice you are listening to, the Brian Campbell, coming back at you with another loaded podcast that is juiced to the gills with that life-altering dose of performance-enhancing audio. Look, you know it. You want it? Well, you got it. Once again, if you're sitting there wondering whether I'm ready to bring the heat one more time, well, I've got four words to share with you. I was born ready. Yes, Big Red. But before I bring in another top operator and pound-for-pound great ginger, and before I run down exactly what we have planned to inject deep into your cochlea on this week's show, I wanted to take a minute to ask you a favor. Our mission on In This Corner is straight and direct. We want you to want me. So if you hear something today that you like, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Take that extra minute to subscribe, rate, review. Heck, even slide into them DMs if you're so inclined. Tell us you're listening. Spread the word on social media using the hashtag In This Corner. It's a very easy relationship. Look, we provide the content, we take up your free time, and you spread the word like the cream and the clear on Gary Sheffield's thighs. Oh yeah, I went there. We got a big show planned for you today. Well, it's a big show. Oh yeah, it's a big man show tonight as we look back at Tuesday's first of four press stops for the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor international tour as they embark on a journey to promote their August 26th super fight in Las Vegas. We will also be chatting with unbeaten welterweight titleist Jeff Horn. Yes, the Hornet. We have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina. No, no, he's not from Argentina. He's from Australia. So hashtag get Horn for that interview later in the show. Jeff Horn will be talking about his upset victory over Manny, whether or not we will see the rematch. He'll also enlighten us on how much his life has changed since the victory, going from unknown school teacher to, to almost, you know, native hero down under. He's also going to share his thoughts on the public's reaction to his win, specifically those comments from ESPN's Teddy Atlas, from Stephen A. Smith. You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Exactly. Joe Horn it is. It's just about that time for me to welcome in my life partner. I mean, I already broke the record for most sound drops to start a show. But you know about this podcast marriage. This guy is the Miss Louie Bags to my AB. The Miss Jackson to my Money May. The Jinky to my Pukiao. Yes, author, writer, and foundational brick of the late great Grantland website. Rafe Bartholomew, big man, big red. How is it? I'm doing good, Brian. I'm. Are you? Are we sure that we are discussing uh, Buxeo today? Because I, uh, from what I understand, the agenda is uh, a lot of Mayweather McGregor, which is uh, debatably uh, Buxeo, and apparently Floyd doesn't care. We could do it in the octagon. We could do it with four ounce gloves. Is that true, Brian? You can call my friends. We can be your friends. We can do it every weekend. Yeah, I love. I love Floyd. Th- just floating out there, by the way. Yeah, you know we can do it in the ring. We can do it in the octagon, and then Connor calling him on it. And I don't know if you saw specifically that Floyd interview with Ariel Hawani after where he goes. I have the right to contradict myself, just so you guys know. And anyone who's been following Floyd a long time, we know that, big guy. So, Rafe, you're coming off a, a, a press tour stop of your own, pushing that book, pushing it on the people in Colorado, two and two, McSorley's, my father and me. What's new in the mountains? What's going on with you? Oh, it was beautiful. And, you know, I was out in Colorado for really for the first uh, time in my adult life, got to taste that mountain air, taste the Rockies a little bit, uh, and uh, and talk to this really cool book club out there about two and two. So uh, all the book clubs out there in America, if you want to, if you want 
Big Red to come, to come <laughs> visit you and, and chop it up a little bit. I'm on the market. Just let me know. And, uh, you know, please don't invite me somewhere. Set me loose in the jungle and trying to hunt me down like Jean-Claude Van Damme in Hard Target. And you don't even demand payment. Really, the only thing you demand is this. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your balls. And that's what we're doing on this show. Uh, well, in some form, Rafe. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to preview this weekend's fights later in the, later in the show in the showcast in the in the podcast in the show we got planned for you today. But like we talked about, Floyd Money May, Connor. You might might as well call him Connor Money May, McGregor. I mean, that's why we're doing this fight. They had chapter one, round one, if you will, of the mental warfare of the of the game behind the game. To some people, the the most entertaining part of this whole fight and promotion will be what you see this week as they make four stops. Stop one was Tuesday in L.A. at the Staples Center. They'll be in Toronto. Though Thursday, they'll be in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. I'll be in attendance. Friday, I believe they're in London. Hey, I, they, may, they may end up in Abu Dhabi for all we know. They're, they're taking this carnival circus fight. They're spreading it around the world. They want people to touch it. They want people to buy it. You're going to hear a lot of lying. You're going to hear a lot of pro wrestling. It's actually going to be more probably pro wrestling and MMA talk than even boxing talk. But that's what this fight is. Uh, before we get into any specifics of who won, what did you just think, having been in attendance two years ago at that one, the one press stop that Floyd Mayweather and Panny, Manny Pacquiao did to promote their super fight, what did you think about the pomp and circumstance of this one? It looked like exactly the same setup. I mean, same place, Staples Center. Uh, the same way they had the fighters walk down the aisles, same sort of, uh, I hate to borrow a, a, a sort of a political term these days, but sort of a nothing burger overall uh, feel of the entire event. Although at this, I mean, you know, I guess I guess uh, Manny Pacquiao, especially in terms of trash talk and uh, and selling a fight with, uh, with with sort of flash or aggression or anything like that is probably the king of the nothing burger in boxing. And this one, you know, I mean, McGregor and Mayweather, we saw more fireworks but I, I I am still and this is this doesn't bode well for my overall enjoyment of this event I'm still one of those guys who really at the end is just like man show me the fight I mean you know we were all talking about this is going to be the real main event these four press conferences seeing them go back and forth scream yell act crazy act a fool and you know all that stuff we got some of that it wasn't that entertaining to me it was uh, probably what the the casual fans wanted coming in, seeing one-liners, trash talk, insults. You didn't get physicality, though, and I'm sure, by the way, because of how much Floyd has put into contract language for this fight, meaning McGregor can get sued if he divulges the financial split on this fight. McGregor, of course, can get sued if he does any MMA moves during the match. I'm sure there was some kind of negotiation that says, if you put your hands on me in any way at any of these four press stops, you owe this much of your check. I think that's what took it away because I almost felt like the the best thing Conor McGregor could have done during round one, during that first kind of odd, tense stare down they had from six feet apart when this press conference started in L.A. on Tuesday was sort of cross into his personal space, get in his face, push him, show him I am for real. I'm a crazy man because, look, the only way that McGregor's going to win this fight outside of, you know, my lucky punch, you know, really, is... I think mentally, and and I that's you know, and that's there's another reason why we don't believe he's going to win it, not just technique wise, but the fact that Floyd's unflappable. But the only way for him to win this fight is mentally. The only way for him to do it is almost borrow from Muhammad Ali against against Sonny Liston, right? Going to get up against the big knockout guy who no one gave him a chance, but just being so crazy that he got into Sonny's head. And Sonny, of course, had the bully mentality. Floyd is different, but Sonny got to a point back in the you know '64, was it, where he was like, "Wow, this guy might actually be crazy. Like this guy might actually believe all this stuff and believe he's going to take me out and." and 
and, and eat my soul and all this stuff. I don't think Connor did enough of that. That was sort of my problem. But in terms of the overall entertainment, we had Aloe Black. We had sort of an awkward Showtime crew that, that – featured uh, more, my guy Moore Ronaldo in a tux coat with non-matching pants and Paulie Malnagy <laughs> and MMA's Brendan Schaub, the former heavyweight who was bloviating at it, at uh, unforeseen levels. I mean, they were fighting for air just to get one word in from each other, and, and Brendan Schaub went about 30 minutes on how we think Connor's going to win by knockout. It was an interesting spectacle. It was weird, but I think ultimately, to end my own bloviation here, Rafe, what Rob did of the ultimate entertainment factor for me was that in the end they had to play by boxing's rules and McGregor got his mic cut during Floyd's rant. We started with a McGregor speech, which he wasn't told he would have to give. Then we went into a long Floyd speech of prepared one-liners and corny jokes, but he delivered it in a very almost gangster rap, old school, pretty boy tone. And then as soon as Connor started one-upping him, and look, Connor's a counterpuncher in the cage. He's a counterpuncher in terms of humor. But they took that away from him, and it was almost a microcosm of how we think the fight's going to go, Rafe. Because Connor can't win under Floyd's boxing rules, and I don't think he was able to win round one of this press conference because it was under old-school corny boxing rules. Your thoughts? Well, you have a lot more experience covering the, the UFC press conferences than I do. And I know they set up, they got all the fighters up there, and they're all shooting back and forth. It's kind of, you know, it seems much more lively than uh, than the opening remarks from Steven Espinoza and Richard Sturm, where everyone is, like, lolling their heads to the side, falling asleep. Uh, the and, Sturm and, perm. Well, How think, about McGregor calling out the Sturm perm on SportsCenter, by the way? That, that was, was great. That was fantastic. I mean, every, uh, you know, I mean, that that is one of the reasons to to love Conor McGregor is he'll come in and say what, what we've all been thinking in boxing, for years is like get a load of Richard Sturm's hair uh, and it's like the first thing out of the guy's mouth uh, so you know kudos to McGregor for that uh, you know to tell you the truth I, I think another reason they may have cut off uh, McGregor's mic is that you know, shortly before that, he started to get uh, a little bit racist. You know, I mean, he, point. He, he dropped a dance for me, boy, which is, you know, a, a no, no. I don't think being Irish is a good enough excuse. I, I'm not giving him the Kovalev out. Yeah, here. even Kovalev um, wouldn't say that, right? Um, That was, you know, I mean, like, look, I don't think that the, the racial undertones or the, you know, the the great white hope side of this fight is going to be a part of the promotion. That's part of what, you know, among everything else. Well, subtly um, it will subtly, it'll be a big part of it. There's still, but, you know, I mean, yeah. Omaha somewhere in middle America, right? There's other worlds of this country outside of the uh, Metro metropolises that we frequent. Right? And, and, and I think that, you know, this, that's part of boxing. I mean, you I mean, you know, we celebrate ethnic rivalries in boxing in a way that you don't really see it uh, 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 celebrated anywhere else in, in American culture sometimes. Um, and, but I, 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 I hope that it does not cross lines too often, you know, and that was getting close to crossing a line or really did cross a line. But I, I think that may have also played a role into why they decided to uh, cut it off right there. And the interesting thing about Floyd is, you know, he, he he's tr trying to toe this line between uh, selling the fight, which means talking himself down, adding the stuff about, oh, I'm not the same fighter I was two years ago. I'm old. I'm slow. Yeah, did you see you that know, fight is... hype interview he gave late Monday that essentially gave a five-minute breakdown of why training camp's so hard. I don't think my body can go through this anymore. It was real, like, sort of sly stuff it, 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 as Floyd the promoter. 
he's dropping those things. But then, you know, he eventually he gets out there in the in the press conference and and McGregor is interrupting him a little bit and drops in on some some casual uh, inappropriate comments. And then, you, you know, it, the the switch sort of flips in Floyd and he's like and, and he has to like and he can't hold back just sort of the the genuine disgust or like the just disrespect that I, he does not really owe McGregor any respect as a boxer. Uh, that there's no that that he obviously Floyd knows that his opponent does not belong in a ring with him uh, or probably any you know top twenty welterweight. Uh, so the that that uh, and and that's when he sort of jumped into just being like you know you know we're gonna get in this bitch's ass you know pardon uh, <laughs> Floyd's French uh, you know which which is probably what he actually believes but he's trying to sort of like toe the line between talking himself down and and selling the fight and then at certain points being like you know what screw this you know I don't you know I I, I don't need to you know I don't this guy is just has no chance to beat me well it's interesting because I, I wrote a piece in CBS Sports essentially saying the five things we need to know from this press tour and one of them is you know what when will the salesman hat on Floyd come off? And it's something you just touched on because, you know, he obviously crapped all over McGregor's chances, you know, a year ago when this fight was being talked about. Now, suddenly, once it's signed, we're hearing hungry young lion again, right? We're hearing he's got a big punch. He's got, he's young. He's got to reach. But at some point, Connor's going to make him mad enough where he's going to be like, no, forget it, dude. You have no chance in this match, no chance in this fight. When in reality, to sell this, to sell more pay-per-views, they almost have to team up to present that Connor has more of a chance. And I think that's where the handlers in this situation, whether it was Showtime Sports, how much influence Dana White in the UFC had, and obviously Dana White in UFC had a certain level of influence because they got Ariel, Ariel Hawani pulled from the press tour Showtime broadcast at like the 11th hour after he had already taken the red eye to LA. So they have some control, but obviously in how they set this up in control and pulling Connor's mic, I think they robbed, at least in press tour one, and we're going to see in the other three stops this week, they robbed from the true potential of this circus because you need to to let Connor be Connor. And and you saw that at the beginning of Floyd's speech where when Floyd would mention money, Connor came in with a hilarious one-liner about give it to the tax man. Like, that's what Connor does. He has destroyed guys like Nate Diaz, Eddie Alvarez, Jose Aldo in the build-up to the fight, beating down their confidence just by being so virtuoso hilarious. They pulled the mic. They did not allow him to be what he does and obviously there's differences in a boxing MMA presser which we mentioned you saw that exploited here Connor talked about that a lot I mean in the UFC they do such a great job but just bringing out the fighters that need to be there Dana doesn't waste time he just says go for it and then you get people in the crowd a mix of journalists and sometimes fans sneak in and ask the kind of questions that stir the pot the kind of questions that start fights whereas we know in boxing press conferences it's the sponsors it's the TV execs it's everybody saying nothing and then you finally get the fighters on and for the most part outside of the great Tyson press conference moments, Riddick Bowe giving a two-piece to Larry Donald outside of Barrera and Morales brawling. For the most part, nobody says anything. It's a wasted opportunity. You saw that here. They should have just let it go. And I thought it was interesting when Dana White finally got to the microphone, he came up and screamed at the top of his lungs like he was like... I don't even have an equivalent here. It was just like so out of character, but it was like his way of saying, hey, boxing guys, like don't be prim and proper. You guys stink, right? Like we're going to be the reckless guys coming in here and yelling. And then he brought up Connor and Connor was caught off guard. Connor still delivered the goods though, the best he could. And how about the audacity of him, Rafe, coming up to the to the mic and saying, you know, baby, we did it, but also wearing a, a tight fitted suit with with pinstripes but as you look closer the pinstripes actually say f you i mean this guy was prepared this guy was ready i think it was a floyd victory in the end because they pulled connor's cord and i think if they would have let him go 
he probably would have dominated this. And maybe there's part of uh, Floyd's people who are like, we're not going to let that happen. I think that's some of it. Well, the good thing is we get sort of three more press con- events, whatever the heck you want to call these things, this week to to see how that goes. If if uh, you know if if it was that you know Floyd's people wanting wanting to pull Connor's mic and so he would stop interrupting Floyd, or if it had something to do with the the producer starting to get a little worried that that Connor had stepped over a line and it might get uh, it might it might go too far left. Uh, we'll I guess we'll see because I I mean I kind of think that maybe if if uh, if it had stayed in the realm of whatever we consider acceptable trash talk, that it would have been uh, that maybe they would have let it go on. Well, what do you um, think so- of Floyd's when Floyd got the mic and when Connor was removed and Floyd did say afterwards he was channeling like the, the pretty boy of old. And we did this was you know, we hadn't had to see Floyd sell a fight. Think about it. In many years, he was selling a fight on the 49 and or on the unbeaten record and he was selling a fight on the prospect of one day facing Manny. We haven't seen the 24-7 prime Floyd in a long time. I thought he was corny in his delivery, but I also thought he brought it, meaning that he paced the stage back and forth. He seemed to have almost one-liners from like a rap battle sort of set up ready for him. Like, you know, one by one, he just hammering him out. Like, it stunk that we didn't get to see Connor counter him. But at the same time, I saw a confident Floyd who wasn't rattled by Connor like most guys are. Instead, was maybe motivated that he finally had a foil across from him that he could play ball with. Yeah, I th- and I think, I mean, I do hope that, you know, they'd get a little more chance to go back and forth because we know that, I mean, I think Connor can talk about as well as anyone, even though, I mean, they're both, when they want to, I mean, Floyd, we haven't seen in a while, when he wants to be, he's, he's you know, he's got a nasty, quick tongue. Uh, and, you know, and this ain't no Vic Ortiz, hands. right? This ain't Vic Ortiz on the other yeah. end of it. Uh, and, uh, and Connor, you know, he's got that gift of gab in the Irish way that I sort of grew up around at the bar. Uh, it can be very charming and it can turn on you in a second. And he uses it both ways, uh, pretty masterfully. So, uh, hopefully they keep things above board and, and, and whoever's in charge pulling the strings allows them to, to, to let it play out a little bit. And we saw that, I mean, in sort of after the main, uh, event when, when Floyd senior yes. crashed, uh, Connor's, you know, press scrum. It wouldn't leave. And- and uh, and and you know we got to see 15 minutes of back and forth between uh, between McGregor and Floyd Senior, and it was it was pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, Connor's got to Connor handled that perfectly, by the way, because that's him in, in in when he's improving, which he was. You know, first he was talking to Floyd Senior like he was Floyd. He's like, I can't tell yeah. the difference. Is that Junior or Senior, and then he was just kind of like, Come on, old man, stop. But one thing Connor does have to be careful of is this. I mean, you can only run your mouth so much and Floyd Sr.'s coming across that table, right? No, just kidding there. But the point is, a lot of theatrics, do you take any stock in the fact that Floyd comes in in a sweatsuit with the 48 hat, with the TMZ American flag sweatshirt, almost with a a, a, a demeanor that says, I'm bored, I've been here before, this isn't my Super Bowl, I've, I've done this, where Connor comes in, you know, perfectly fitted suit, prepared for the biggest moment of his life. Do you take any stock in terms of their readiness or that Connor was maybe a little bit tight and rattled and Floyd, it was just yawn. Um, I, I can see that. I mean, but Floyd, you know, I mean, we, I think everyone knows and the fighters know that both of them in their own way 
are planning everything out, you know, and, and like, it's fun. I, I, I enjoy sort of like the, the wardrobe theatrics, the level of detail that McGregor has used in some of his press conferences. I mean, he had that one where he dressed up exactly like El Chapo from the, uh, from the Sean Penn interview <laughs> and like, and posed right next to, him. I don't, I forget which, which UFC fight that was, but like, you know, the, 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 the various way, like the, the creativity that, that Connor comes up with. And then of course, with the FU pinstripes, uh, you know, and, and, and those are his own, I guess, his own line of suits that he may begin selling, which uh, I can imagine a lot of people buying as crazy as that is. Um, you know, that that's pretty that's pretty cool. And Floyd, uh, I mean, Floyd, at this point, I don't think he's ever going to show up without wearing, you know, something big TMT. Uh, it, it was it was it was interesting to see, you know, Floyd official, you know, the American fighter decked out in all American gear, you know, red, white and blue flag, flag, sweatshirt, flag, hoodie. 48 on his hat is in the f colors of the flag, mostly getting booed by the crowd, except for the people who he bought himself. While Connor, the Irishman, is getting getting all the love. Um, again, that that speaks to some of the dynamics we've already talked about that that are kind of going on, on under the under the under the surface in this fight. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it progresses uh, uh, at different at different stops on the tour and where where you know what how the support shows up uh, on fight night. I don't want to beat this down too much. This is one stop. There's going to be three other days. Who knows where it's going to go? But there were some things that sort of was revealed from Connor's comments here. You know, he re he sort of supported my theory that Floyd only wanted this fight at 54 because of the 10 ounce gloves. And Connor came out and basically said Floyd made him wear the 10 ounce gloves, which means Floyd made this fight be at one. 54, even though they tried to frame it as, nah, Floyd's all right with uh, with letting Connor fight at 54. You know, he's the 155 champion at UFC. The other thing was Connor saying, once again, like we saw in the Maidana fight, no Mexican gloves, no horsehair gloves. And it was hilarious to say, Connor basically say, I didn't even know they made horsehair gloves. You know what I mean? Like, our sport, we, we've, we're only a few year, years removed from fighting bare knuckle. You know, I don't, he's like, I don't give a crap about any of that. But that, you know, Floyd's going to win these tiny parts of the negotiation. But some for some people, these glo the glove part is not a tiny part. I mean, there's a reason why Floyd reportedly paid Maidana. Well, I don't remember if it was the first or second fight, but you remember that fight, fight was up in the air 24 hours before that fight, he ended up reportedly having to pay between two and three million for Maidana to not use the, the Mexican punching gloves. Do you think, I mean, we're not boxers. We don't put on the gloves for the most part. Do you think there's that much of a difference in there? I mean, for Floyd to be that much of a stickler? I, I mean, you you know, you talk to to trainers, you talk to fighters, and they say there is a difference that the the, the Mexican made horsehair gloves. You know, you can work them in and wear them in over the both both in terms of how how a fighter sort of you know works his hands into the glove, and then also how they get worn in over the course of a fight in the way that you know, the knuckles will begin your you know a fighter's knuckles will begin to poke through that horsehair, and 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 the the blows will land harder. Now, what's what the funny thing uh, that that seems sort of perhaps pointless in in this particular fight is you know connor as uh, correct me if i'm wrong he's never fought with boxing gloves on in his life right in a, in a real fight uh and probably does not know how to you know whatever probably has no experience getting his working his hands into a, any kind of boxing glove horsehair foam whatever <laughs> kind of padding it has in order to get that right kind of whatever that that say someone like Maidana who who that's the, his the kind of glove he used uses throughout his career knows exactly how he wants it to to, to go I mean I don't know if McGregor really would have been able to take advantage of something like that and all this you know even uh, we're getting sort of putting the the cart before the horse here because that means conor mcgregor is landing like meaningful 
flush punches on Floyd May Mayweather, which uh, we think is not probably not going to happen often in this fight, if much at all, if at all. Now, that's a good point. Connor did formally predict that Floyd would get knocked unconscious within four rounds. Uh, there's probably a smell he loved there that day. A lot of smell of money, right? Well, Brian, the thing that, that, yeah. Well, and, and I think that's kind of the most effective line of, of, uh, of, of uh, trash talking that Floyd has been using uh, used against against Connor was the money. Even though Floyd is in here, uh, you know, the, the past week has been sort of besieged with headlines about his IRS bills and tax troubles. Um, but you know, it seemed like a lot of Connor's bluster and power within the UFC, the bluster he showed against other fighters, and in and in and in press conference had to do with his his financial power within the UFC. How yes. I'm the most valuable fighter. I'm the I'm I'm the draw. I'm the you know I'm the A side so to speak in bo in boxing terms. Um, and how you know eventually it became how he, in a lot of ways it seemed like he was getting bigger than the actual UFC, which is sort of antithetical to the whole model of, of how UFC has been run and and you know Floyd can come out and basically you know like if he wants to I mean Floyd probably has bet away three million dollars at a time and he could probably come out and 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 uh you know light three million dollars on fire that would in front be of McGregor spectacle. and say that's your biggest payday until I until you met me well Floyd did say you know three million is training camp money and obviously Floyd might not realize that when you see three million as the official Nevada payment to, to McGregor in a UFC fight and at that time that was the record payment and I think it still is he's actually getting a lot more than that behind the scenes just like when Floyd is getting the 30 million guarantee to face somebody when the pay-per-view receipts come in he's getting a lot more I think Connor was reported of getting between 10 and 15 million in his biggest fight when all receipts are counted but that was ultimately the deepest the trash talk went Connor talking about Floyd's tax issues Floyd bringing up Connor tapping out against Nate Diaz when he was uh, submitted in March 2016 what we didn't see was Connor really go low and bring in the domestic violence, bring in some deeper stuff. We'll see if that continues. I will say, though, Connor kind of had an almost 2015 B. Campbell haircut going on. I kind of liked it. I like my hair. I like my hair. The Mamacitas like my hair. The Mamacitas not a big fan of my hair, though, outside of the one in my house. But that will do it. I will see who keeps winning. I had Floyd winning the first one because it was played under his rules on the way out here. Did you have a winner? Doesn't matter. Um, I did not have a winner. I don't think it matters. Uh, you know, the, the, I guess, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, there, I, I thought it was sort of funny when, when they had that first, like, like long distance face off and McGregor started doing some of his, his weird, uh, weird, uh, happy dance movements. Was that a crossover dribble? That was almost Capoeira like stuff. I don't know. Like I started, I started flashing back to, um, you know, uh, like, Oh man, why am I forgetting my favorite movie? The one in Miami, banana way, banana, only the strong Capoeira. Movie I have no idea the... where you're going. I oh, thought man, I caught a Bilamos in there. Man. Let you, the rhythm you take no you over. Long, you're out of the action movie club. I, I will send you this one tonight. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, and Floyd kind of standing there, stone-faced, looking across him. It was almost like a, a Harrison Ford Raiders of the Lost Ark moment. Like, look at this clown. I'm about to uh, figuratively shoot him dead in the ring. <laughs> That'll wrap it up. We're sure we'll get into this a lot more as we head into their August 26th super fight. Super fight, if you will, by the way, on Showtime pay-per-view. But, Rafe, it's time for the guest of the week. Get your motor revving up. 
It's time to hashtag get horned. We have unbeaten welterweight titleist Jeff Horn from Australia. Took the time to sit down with me earlier this week. A lot of talk. The Pacquiao upset just a few weeks removed. We'll see what he has to say. Enjoy. This has been a crazy whirlwind for a few weeks for you. How do you sort of sum up the aftermath of not just such a controversial fight, but the chance that you go from, at least in the States, in almost nobody to an overnight name that a lot of people are talking about. Look, yeah, it has, has been a crazy rise, that's for sure, in, in the last few weeks, especially after winning um, the fight, but death. You know, how do you sort of deal with the the sudden public demand, the sudden sort of celebrity that comes with winning a fight at this level? Um, I guess you just got to give your time. A lot of your time is given away. Um various people and and that's that's what I've been doing and I guess in a way that's me dealing with um, winning winning the fight celebrating winning it certainly uh, the the reaction in the United States has has largely been negative which you're aware of because of the you know the outcry of robbery and all of that we can get to that in a second but what has the reaction been in Australia to you recording this type of victory Australia have been very supportive and, and defensive of, of me and um, they, they think I won the fight and and so do I. So uh, it's been all positive coming Australia, from Australia. From my point of view, look, I was on the side that thought, you know, robbery was such an incredibly wrong word for this situation because, you know, I scored it a draw. I thought it was incredibly competitive, you know, despite what sort of the punch stats broke down. Obviously... For a lot of people in America, it was listening to that ESPN broadcast, listening to, to Teddy Atlas and Stephen A. Smith sort of, you know, bloviate, go on and on and push that word of robbery. Now that you're a few weeks removed, how do you respond to how they responded to the fight? Yeah, it's, it's a bit disappointing um, how they, those guys have commentated um, here about the fight, but uh, I guess there's nothing nothing we I can do about it and go back and change now, so... Hopefully they can um, hopefully be a bit more uh, two-sided when it comes to a possible rematch. What do you think they saw that leads them to believe that this fight should have been scored much wider? Um, I don't know. Maybe because they were just watching Pacquiao and not watching me. It's um, it's not really something I I I, I kind of look too much into. I I. I let them have their opinions, but I don't think they're correct, and that's about it. You know, the, their opinions carried weight to a large American audience, but obviously it doesn't carry a lot of weight in the way the fight was scored, the WBO review. What was your reaction after seeing five judges independently judge this fight and really come away with still a, a seven rounds to five victory for you? It's comforting for sure, um, getting that um, back from those five independent judges um, re- recounting the fight. So uh, to have that confidence and to back myself and and, and be- in my belief that I-, I thought I won. And Pacquiao had said himself after the fight he thought I'd won. So, yeah. It kind of became, you know, as they say, an internet meme, that moment where Teddy Atlas looked in your eyes almost sort of robbing from your moment and saying he didn't think you won. You showed tremendous grace in that moment, but what was going through your head when you when he said that to you? 
was, I was just thinking, is this guy for real? I don't know, it was just it came out of left field for me. Um, I didn't actually say that, but I wasn't going to let him bring me down <laughs> at, at that time. That, that's it's, it's funny how much that, that has blown up and become a life of its own. But when you look at how you were able to, you know, whether people believed you won or not, you certainly made this a competitive fight. So from your point of view, what did you do differently against this version of Manny Pacquiao that Jesse Vargas, Tim Bradley were unable to do in the past year? Yeah, I guess um, that's controlling the the distance between each other a lot better than they did, and I use angles and, and movement. And, I, and a few people have said as well to me how how well I I've kind of took away that that room for him and um, kind of bullied him, make him, made him go backwards. Were you getting the sense that he was frustrated trying to pick up with your awkward rhythm? Yes, I, I think he he struggled to to find find the range with myself, and uh, because I came came forward at him as well, it kind of cramped his style a bit. You know, it's 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 the fight was interesting for me in the sense that it's normally Pacquiao who does your style to other people, right? You know, it's it's the awkward angles. It's punches from from spots that people don't s- expect. How I don't believe I've ever seen Pacquiao have to deal with almost his own style. How much was that on your th- on your mind coming in, you know, sort of hitting him with his own medicine? Well, I guess he, he's someone that I've watched a lot of in the past. Um, so I've learned watching all these different fighters, and he's one of them, and using that type of style against someone is, it, and especially if it works, if you try it, it doesn't work. Um, you definitely don't go to it, but I tried it and it, it worked against him, so I decided to keep with it for the rest of the fight. How would you describe where your style sort of comes from and how you originally became a boxer to sort of pick up, you know, an alternate way of movement like that? Uh, well, I guess it started uh, from when I first walked into the gym where I I learned from my trainer, Glenn Rushton, who I still train with today. Um, he taught me pretty much everything I know, and then I've gone overseas and and you and learned from other fighters I've fought in the past, and um, just slowly and gradually you watch and you learn and you try things and you just become better and better. At, uh, that and that style suits me the best. Well, few obviously gave you a chance coming in because I think you know in the United States we hadn't seen you fight obviously in the US but we hadn't seen you on US television you know score a kind of victory that would make somebody believe you'd be competitive but when you look back at the run you had leading up to this fight was there a fight that really made you a believer that you could step up to this title level that you could step up to the level against a, a hall of famer like this and have the chance to pull the upset yeah definitely I've, I've fought a fair few good boxers um especially guys like Ahmed El Masui um even taking down someone like Randall Bailey and not, not even just taking down, taking some of his best shots and then still beating him is, uh, gave me a lot of belief that I could take on these guys. A lot of the narrative after the fight, which I think is understandable when you consider Pacquiao's 38, is that this fight was that close because he lost a step. From your perspective, having watched so many fights in his career, and then being in there and taking those left hands from him, how far removed from his prime did you feel Manny was in this fight? No, I, thought, I thought he was still still pretty good. I think um, what what got him is, is my style, which upset him the most. So 
Um, maybe he underestimated me a bit going into the fight, but I, I still think um, it'd be a similar story if he was at his best. Did you think there was any sort of, let's say, turning point in that fight where he maybe realized that this wasn't going to be a, you know, a typical fight where he can control the distance from the outside, that he may have to be the kind of fighter that we hadn't seen since the fourth Marquez fight? Do you remember any sort of turning moment where you saw him turn, step on the gas a lot more? Uh, not really. I guess that round nine where he did come after me because he, he got me with the shot. Um, I suppose he, he really... He went for me then, but I managed to recover quick and, and get my legs back underneath me and, and finish the round strong. How close in your mind did you think you were to potentially being stopped in that round, consider that, that he had you cornered, he had you backing up, and your face was starting to show the damage of the punches? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure if he got me with a fair few more combos um, and clean punches, it could have been... Could have been all over, but I guess at any moment, like, it could have been the other way around as well if, if I was able to get a couple on him in the same way. Well, obviously you showed tremendous heart to come back. You know, the real turning point moment that we were lucky on a commercial broadcast that cameras picked up was Mark Nelson coming to the corner of the referee and telling you, you know, if I don't see something more, I may stop this fight. How aware are you of such a stern warning in that moment, and what was your internal reaction? Yeah, in, in that moment, that, that's what pushed me through those last three rounds and to step it up another gear because um, I thought I still had plenty more in the tank, especially sitting there um, in, the, in the round break uh, when he said that. I was like, I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll show you something, all right. I mean, that, that seemed to trigger something from you where, where I thought you outworked Pacquiao down the stretch of those rounds. I mean, I thought he boxed well in, in round 11, but certainly in round 12, you finished, from my perspective, as the hungrier fighter. So did you have to dig to a level that you either didn't know you had or you hadn't had to show in a fight up to this point? Yeah, look, it, it was definitely a... Um... I had to definitely come back after that round nine and push really hard. But, um, look, everyone keeps coming up with excuses for Manny. But the truth is I beat him and also better man on the day. I like that. I like that. I like the fire right there. I mean, you're, you got a great point. I mean, you had three judges say you beat him. You had five independent judges, you know, score it a close fight. I mean, I think at this point we can we can remove the word robbery. We can all agree it's a close fight. You, depending on who you picked, right? Some may have liked yeah. Manny's cleaner punching. Some may have liked your aggression. But talk to me for a second about where the the CompuBox numbers play in a role in this. Because for anyone crying robbery, and believe me, people on social media were killing me. I'm sure they're attacking you, saying, "How does a man get out punched by you know double amount of the punches and still win?" How do you respond to people who use the punch stats as fuel for saying this should have been a, a wipeout Manny win? Yeah, because the because that system sometimes is counting punches that are hitting gloves. Uh, that some some of them are hitting air, but yeah, some of them aren't, aren't clean clean shots that are actually landing. And yeah, you can't you can't go off those those numbers for a winner. I th- I believe you hit Manny more cleanly than. 
than we've ever seen in terms of in terms of doing it consistently. Like obviously Marquez was able to put together some big punches. Bradley in the second fight had some moments. He's normally able to dodge those, so we haven't seen his chin have to be a factor. Do you think you hurt him at all at any point in this fight? Look, I'm sure I collected him with some some pretty decent shots throughout that fight, and I reckon it did hurt him. But um, yeah. Jeff, when you look back to really where your mindset was in the buildup, right? Like every interview, you're going to say, "I'm going to pull the upset." If you didn't say that, then obviously you shouldn't be a fighter. You shouldn't be in that spot. But when you envisioned how the fight would play out, how dissimilar was it to how it actually did? Yeah, look, I had to keep keep positive throughout the whole preparation, especially how much of an underdog I was. But I kept telling myself and I kept telling everyone else I was talking to that I will win. I wasn't saying um, if I win. I was always putting it I will and um, being confident or else, as you said, if, you, if you're not going to a fight like this, you've lost before you even get in there. Did you sense any doubt either in your team, your extended family, your friend circle? Did you get any feeling on the way to the fight, you know, the weeks leading up, that, that not everybody believed you were going to be able to pull this off? No. All, all the people that were close and around me all believed that I could win. And I had them people all around me um, leading up into the fight. How do you sort of put into... Um, I don't know if historical reference is the right point here, but when you look at the history of Australian boxing, where does this win fit in there? Uh, you know, from from the from what you've watched growing up, from all the great heroes in in Australian history, how big is this victory? Well, this is this is definitely one of the biggest biggest upsets in Australian history for sure. Um, no one was expecting this to happen, and um, except I guess me and the, and the team. Um, it was a very tight circle that all believed 100% that I could do this, and that's the reason why we pulled it off. The obvious question is, you know, what's next? Will there be a rematch? How soon? You know, how much control? How much are you in the driver's seat now to dictate some of the terms? You know, what? where are we now in terms of a rematch? Will it be in Australia? What is your perspective? Um, look, most likely we'll be back um, in Australia, but... I have I have no control over that myself. Um, it's really in Manny's court at the moment whether he actually wants to rematch or not, and then I guess the venue will be decided up decided after that. You know, you coming into a world title, having an unbeaten record, now having this this new name for yourself as this you know hard bones fighter who's going to fight through anything. How how much was your phone ringing off the hook for for big name boxers in and around your weight class who who suddenly wanted to do business with you? Um, look, my phone has definitely been off the hook and I've, it's been attached to my ear basically the whole time, but it hasn't been um, with other other fight promotions and things because I don't really have anything to do with that that type of aspect with the with the fight game. That's all to do with the managers. Well, when you take a glance at this welterweight division, which, you know, has been boxing's money division now for 15, 20 years, I mean, this is where the big fights happen. Outside of sort of, you know, settling manners in this in this Pacquiao feud, are there where do you think you fit in in this division, and are there any names specifically that, that you really want to get in there against? Um, yeah, look, I... Obviously, we're looking at uh, the rematch if Pacquiao wants it, but if not, I've 
made it open um, out there that I'll definitely like to take on Floyd Mayweather if he wants to come back and have a proper boxing match with someone and um, yeah, and, and then unifying the divisions obviously um, is, is another goal of mine. I got to admit, Jeff, I popped big when you sort of, you had sort of that planned joke in the post-fight interview to sort of take that shot at Floyd. T- tell me about the genesis of that. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, that was a whole uh, kind of team idea that we thought we would have um, because of his fight with Conor McGregor being um, a bit of a circus because the UFC fighter versus a boxing fighter, so... Um, and, and he's coming back out of retirement to do it. So, uh, is he actually serious about coming back and having a real fight? Uh, that's why I thought I just became new world champion. If he if he wants to come back and have a serious boxing fight, why not take me on? <laughs> why not? I mean, look, stranger things have happened. I think that fight even being you know scheduled is a strange thing. Do you give Conor McGregor any remote chance of being competitive in that fight? Oh, I don't think he has. Um, I don't think he has much chance that, that, that's for sure obviously he has a puncher's chance because in any in any fighting sport if he lands the right shot I guess Mayweather can go down but um, I highly doubt he's going to connect very much with him at all that seems to be the consensus. It'll probably come down to how well his mouth can can, can coerce the money out of out of the consumer's pockets to pay on pay-per-view. But back to finish up on you, Jeff. The the narrative, I guess, was, you know, this school teacher, this Rocky Balboa. Obviously, you were an unbeaten boxer who was, you know, in contention. You defeated guys we know, like you mentioned, Randall Bailey. But how far were you removed from sort of I guess, I, you know, I don't want to coin the term regular Joe, but how far away were you from being a regular Joe and now you're leaped into this spot with the potential to make millions and, and get worldwide recognition in your own profession? How, how, how recent were you sort of a, a struggling guy just trying to make ends meet? Yeah, look, it, uh, it probably has been... Um, like, I, I was a teacher not long ago, so a few years ago I was, I was a, pretty much a full-time teacher so um it's been fast rise for me um ever since i joined up with chico events um and then top rank got on board and uh, we got this massive fight with pacquiao would you have ever dreamed you are in this spot or was this exactly where you dreamed i mean where was your honest mindset just two three years ago when you're climbing the, the ladders at welterweight and trying to make a name for yourself yeah, I always saw myself fighting for a world title, but I, I didn't think it would be at, in, at Suncorp Stadium in my hometown against someone like Pacquiao. That was beyond a dream come true, that's for sure, getting that, that scenario. And when you look ahead toward a possible Manny Pacquiao rematch, if he wants this, if this goes down, and this is, I would assume, would be a major event, you know, worldwide, considering the the controversy and how much attention the fight got, how different do you think a rematch would look in the ring from the first fight? Um, I think it would be definitely another awesome fight. I think I I will definitely step up better again, but then uh, Pacquiao might come up and fight even harder again. Who knows? It'll be it'll be fireworks again. That's for sure. If there's a pack one too. And separated from that whole 
uh, robbery, all the all the sort of negative side. What do you hope that American fans can learn about you? You know, that through this in future fights, that when they finally get a chance to see you, maybe fighting in the states. What what do you hope people can learn about you? Um, I guess I just hope they learn where I've come from and, and what I've done. Um, I've, I've, I haven't taken any any shortcuts. I've taken taken some hard fights, and uh, I'm where I am because I've had. I'm taking the right road. Get horned, Rafe. Jeff Horn breaking it down to us. Um, you know he didn't go. He didn't go too hardcore on anybody. He didn't called out Stephen A. Smith. Called out Teddy Atlas. You know, wasn't coming for wasn't coming for their soul or anything though. I came off as a real honest, hungry fighter looking to take this opportunity and sort of you know see where he can go with it. Whether it's the rematch with Pacquiao. I mean, he's using Mayweather's name. Come on, dude. Take a, take a relax on that, Jeff Horn. But you got to take advantage of your opportunity. I mean, just like when Luis Colazzo uh, knocked out uh, Vincent Ortiz that time, he was also calling for Mayweather. But I like Horn. I like how he's dealing. with Robert Guerrero once upon a time, too. Yeah, great point. I like the the sort of humility and hunger. I like the breakdown on his awkward style. Is he going to be a one-and-done fashion the pan? We saw him once. We'll probably see him linger again. Or is this uh, is this the beginning? As a star, was a star born in Brisbane? Where are we going with this, Rafe? Well, you know, it, it depends on what happens with his career, what the next fight is and all that. I, the thing I, I really took from your interview, uh, I, you know, thinking back uh, to 2012 when when Tim Bradley got that very shocking upset decision over Manny Pacquiao and, it, you know, it was a much worse decision. There, That, that one, I believe, was a robbery. Um, and... And the way that Bradley responded to that, you know, for years, I uh, pretty much, I mean, I guess until, you know, Teddy cornered him in Australia and was like, you lost the fight, right, Tim? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, for years, Bradley kind of was, was so defensive and, and, you know, uh, was like, you know, it was eight to four. I watched the fight. I scored eight to four, eight to four. He didn't have anything for me, you know, and, and you could see that Bradley, I, even though, I mean, he probably, maybe he believed it. it just, he just never convinced me that he really felt it. Like he, like they all knew that, that it was a gift and you got to move on and, and do your best with that. But, uh, and, and that's not the, 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 the feeling I got from Jeff Horn. Now, maybe that's just because this was a closer fight. Uh, and that even though I think that Pacquiao uh, did enough to win. It, it it was not the kind of robbery on this on the level that 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 it wasn't a robbery like like the first Bradley fight was. Um, but Horn really just you know sounded he he sounded sort of the same way he fought, which was confident. It was like this is my fight. I'm gonna fight it, and it's gonna make me competitive. And 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 that's how he was in the ring, and that's what kept him in the fight, gave him a chance to win, and eventually uh, got him the, the the that win on the scorecards. And it was also the way he's holding him, carrying himself now that that he 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 got that win. He's not apologizing. He's not sounding overly defensive. He's like, no, this is the, that was my style. This is how I wanted to fight Manny Pacquiao, and I won. Uh, and now, if he wants a rematch, then we'll do that. Or maybe he can talk Mayweather into something. I doubt <laughs> it. Um, you know, I do have a what's next sort of theory about this, and this is not backed by any reporting. This is just something. You didn't I, text you know, Michael Cons. Cook- uh, you know, I, I mean, I might have I might have slid in the Rick Glazer DM just to make sure my, my reasoning was correct, um, you know. But so I'm guessing that uh, and, and you may actually know, um, but I, w- I would expect that top rank has an option on Jeff Horn's defense. Um, 
And you would think so. They they've done work with Horns promoter Duco before, right? They got and just got... in general, if, if 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 Top Rank is putting their fighter, their one of probably uh, technically still their biggest star, Manny Pacquiao, uh, in a fight against another promoter's fighter, they top and, and and Top Rank is a much sort of bigger you know force in boxing. They probably get an option on Horns next fight. Which means uh, if the rematch doesn't come through, or maybe if they decide to steer you know, Manny away from that rematch in one way or another, if they can exercise that kind of influence, uh, maybe this is the opportunity that Top Rank sees to finally put that belt around Terrence Crawford's waist. You see, you, you smell what I'm cooking? Oh, Bring wow, Jeff Horn, give him a big, give him a big payday to come to Nebraska and get that belt took him. That's an interesting theory. Use Horn to push up your other fighters. And if Crawford were able to win that belt over Horn, say, hey, Manny, you want your belt back? I got two letters for you. T.C. in Omaha, bro. All right. We're not going to uh, we're not going to know Macau. We're going to Omaha. One question for you on the rematch. I think we'll see Pac Horn, too. Pac's already tweeted out, you know, he still has the hunger and he's going to fight until that hunger is gone. And I really think for as amazing as Pacquiao is, I think he's going to be a lingerer. Rafe, yes. you know, maybe not Roy Jones level, but I think we're going to see Pacquiao in his mid to late 40s. I guess that is Roy Jones level still fighting somewhere in Asia that'll have him that'll put money on the line and and he's going to be washed. And I and you know, you hate to pre predict that somebody's going to be washed to that. Wow, I'm just going to swim here to that level, but uh, he's going to be. So we see this rematch. Will it be on ESPN in your eyes? Will will Bob realize that there will be a demand? Like, Bob's going to get big money in Australia to have it there. Would he go back to HBO pay-per-view? Do you think that people in the, in the States would care enough to see a wrong, you know, a robbery uh, righted in this case? Or do you think it is not enough demand, even with that built-in storyline? Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that I think that. Aram and Top Rank will basically shop around for the best deal like they did with this one, knowing that there are some some weird constraints given the way that Pacquiao wants to where he wants to fight, how much money he needs to get in the ring uh, and and how to get that done. Uh, you know, if, uh, assuming it happens again in Australia, because that's where the most money will be in terms of a site fee, uh, it, it may, in fact, come back to some some, you know, option B. Uh, like ESPN or or wherever else uh, Aram can can put it on because uh, it's 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 difficult for for HBO to go staging a, a pay per view you know all the way on the other side of the world they did it a few times in Macau but it was always it was always a, a challenge for them and I don't think that um, a rematch here you know sells extraordinarily well I mean it could be in the same ballpark as some of Manny's other, you know, minor pay-per-views in the, you know, 300,000 buy range. Pinoy Maybe that's Thunder? enough to get it done. Pinoy Thunder? Are you talking about Pinoy Thunder? Oh, Pinoy Thunder. Well, that is a wonderful, I mean, think, oh, think of all the great wins Nonito Danaire had on that amazing series, which endures to this day in the Philippines. It doesn't quite carry the same heft as when Top Rank was behind it. Can I get a Fasan 3K battery reference or no? Oh, I mean, one of my favorite Thai battery fighters. I mean, of all the, of, uh, you know, <laughs> I also like the Thai Quick Mart fighter. I forget his first Knockout name. CP Fresh Mart, uh, yes, something yes, like that. Yes, Quickie Mart. Quickie yes, Mart, Apu. yes, yes. Uh, Cuban B. Uh, until then, though, it's Jeff Horn's era. <laughs> 
and we're just living it. All right, man, I love this board. Uh, Rafe, let's let's roll on out of here and hit some news. And it's really the only news that that matters to you because you are a protector of all things Euro cruiserweights. And we have <laughs> the tournament set World <laughs> Boxing Super Series brought to you by Richard Safer and some money that we have no idea where it came from. But the draws are set. The quarterfinals will begin in September and October at a time and in, in place to to be continued. They had a draft though in Monte Carlo where the top seeds were able to select their opponents. They did this goofy photo shoot, all wearing robes. It was totally a Rafe Super Bowl. I will let you have the floor. Get me fired up for the eight men that will be in this cruiserweight tournament. I have to get you fired up for this, Brian. Are you serious? I mean, after the circus we've been through, how I just we're, we're so lucky that as boxing fans, you know, it, it may not save the sport. It may not be a huge deal in the in the sports world, but we still have the, the heart and soul of our sport, which is good fights, weird names, knockout punters, you know, just just bizarre stuff going on <laughs> i mean that it it's uh, and the draft format i think was brilliant to to force the four champions in that in in that tournament to pick their opponents you know who are all good fighters i mean you know maris bradis and it ends up being matched with mike perez who yes. looks like he's in the shape of his life i mean at least that we've seen i don't uh, know dude i hate to say this out loud i think he got his i think he, he had his soul taken from the magomed fight even though he won i think that look, you know i, I I'm not saying that Mike Perez is is a, is a sure shot to win that fight, and I I think Bradis might be one of one of the one of the favorites in the tournament. Uh, I know that uh, Alexander Usyk is really the guy that that we know here in the states so far, but I think that's really just the shine of being in the Lomachenko camp, yes. fishing with Vassil, you know, hunting with Vassil, Ninja dressing up. Dressing up in Spider-Man costumes with Vasil. I mean, we we give Usyk a ton of credit for that, and he is a really good fighter. But so are these other guys, and I don't think it's a I don't think he should be a wide favorite in any way in this term. The draft was a great idea. It added drama. It adds a little bit of sauce to this rivalry, some spice. These guys are like, you wanted to fight like Marco Hook. He's a he's a big angry Turk. I mean, and he's like Usyk, you wanted me, you wanted me, you know that kind of Dude, stuff. That's makes... the sexiest matchup, by the way, Usyk Hook. I mean that. That's going to be fantastic. Mr. Doritos, Mr. Cool Ranch, Junior Dorticos fighting Dmitry Kudrashov. That guy can. If, if Sell me Kudrashov... on the Russian hammer. I at this moment I will hand in my boxing heads card hashtag. Tell me I don't know much about Dmitry Kudrashov. Give me the give me the Russian hammer breakdown. The Russian hammer uh, is the slowest man you have ever seen, but he he has a left hook. And a pretty good and a, and a good right straight right behind it that uh, literally do look like they hit people like sledgehammers. And he has gotten, you know, I mean, he he punched himself out and 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 got knocked out against um, Onleraj, the, the the Nigerian fighter who I really can never get his name if I am not looking at it directly. Um, uh, but then he came back and 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 knocked that guy out in a rematch. Um, he's not very skilled. He's not. Uh, he's pretty slow, but. He's going to be, I mean, he is truly got some insane one, one punch power and he just looks like the meanest. I mean, he is the meanest looking version of the meanest Russian you've ever seen. He looks like a bad guy in a Seagal movie, right? Yeah. I mean that, that 
that beard he cut he is straight from central casting from like you know he's like after he wins this fight he's going out into the streets to do some pogroms and some ethnic cleansing i mean he is just a bad dude uh so uh and dorticos i think is 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 uh, from what we've seen i mean we've only seen him once and he looked very good stopping uh yuri kalenga who is a, a serious contender in the division until that fight um uh, so Dorticos probably has the movement and the power in the boxing to, to win that fight, but it's still scary because if that Russian hammer catches up with him, it could be a problem. Um, and you know, all it's just man, what, a, what the, the cruiserweights? I haven't even gotten into the super middleweight matchup. They're not as good. This, the the semifinals could be great if you see guys like Groves, Callum Smith, the winner of Eubank Jr. and Arthur Abraham, Jurgen Bramer. If those guys eventually meet up, you know what, Brian? My my plea to Richard Schaefer. If you're listening, Richard, please, or or even if Eric Raskin, if you're if you're listening and you just want to do Richard Schaefer's voice, <laughs> dirty uh, laundry. Yes, uh, you know, put these put these fights on it uh, on ESPN. Cook up a cook up some kind of deal and get this in front of a big American audience. Even though these guys don't have name values, whoever watch this this is the tournament that will make new boxing fans. This is the tournament that people just flipping channels and stopping and seeing these guys will just this this is this is the thing this is it i mean this is going uh, I, I mean, this is a insane take, but if, if this lands in the right way, it has like, you know, could actually really help the sport potential. I believe that. Now, chances are nobody sees it except me and a handful of other freaks, uh, <laughs> fight freaks, all the fight freaks out there. I'll see you guys in the chat, uh, you know, um, but. Uh, you I've know, never heard this it, much passion if, from you, by the way. Never. If it finds the, if it finds the, 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 the audience, uh, even a, a, a little bit of an audience, it could really blow up. I really believe that it is. It is a great and the cruiserweights, especially because they have power. They can box a little bit. There's characters. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for this thing, and, and I think you need to add uh, a drop for, for, our, for the rest of our shows. You know, get that, get that Smokey Robinson or even that Gwyneth Paltrow in there singing, "I love it when we're cruising together." <laughs> we get my, my main man Joey, the producer, on that. I will say though that we have a segment on the, on the, on the in this corner uh, pro pro wrestling show called "Right in the Feel Spot." Things that just make you feel like a fan again, that just penetrate your defenses and just activate that spot this was feel spot activated for wraith bartholomew in a passionate way yeah you heard that right i will say the cruiserweight bracket brought it they have this is the best of the best we're going to find out who is the best it's obviously reminiscent of the super six super middleweight from from last decade the alternate being one of the two alternates christoph glowachki i mean that is fantastic there i want to see him get in get in this tournament i am disappointed with the super middles you know, there are names we know, Groves, you know, the winner of Eubank Abraham, which is this weekend, Jurgen Bramer, Rob Brandt, but it's not moving the needle. I'm not even convinced those are the best super middleweights. Maybe maybe it is, and that division's just down, is it? I mean, I, I don't think I've, I've watched many 68 fights of, of consequence lately. Are those the best super middleweights in the world? I don't get that feeling. I mean, the division is down because, I mean, you've got Andre Ward moved up. Uh, Golovkin, Gennady Golovkin has not moved up. Uh, Badu Jack is moving out of the division. James DeGale is still around, but I don't know how much of a, like how many teeth he has left after that fight with Badu Jack. Um, and he's not in the tournament. I mean, DeGale is the, probably the big name that's not involved here, but he's earning with Hearn. So that makes sense. Um, wearing a vest. Yes. Hanging out with hot sisters, right? That's how you do Uh, it. 
Look, and 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 you know, I mean, we all love James Gale and his uh, and his family. He's got a very attractive family, you know. I mean, shout out to the to the Hall of Famer Nigel Collins. Um, uh, <laughs> I think that the super middleweight tournament, once it reaches the, the the semifinal stage, and you start seeing potential matchups like you know Callum Smith, George Groves, or the winner, you know, if if Eubank finally washes Arthur Abraham for good and gets in a gets into a ring against one of those decent fighters. I think I think that'll heat up a little bit and be interesting, but no, it doesn't bring it on the level. Doesn't hit the feel spot. Doesn't have you zipping down the way that the cruiserweight tournament is. Yeah, no doubt about that. I will say though that there's there's kind of rumors out there. I don't know if it's rumors or it's fact that the winner could end up taking like the winners of these quarterfinal matchups could win a million. And it's going to go up in each each victory. I mean, this is a lot of cash. My final take on this, we we've, we've ran long. Where is this money coming from and should I care? I have no clue, and I don't care. Uh, you know, it, it, whatever Richard Schaefer has to do, he fig- he finds a way. Uh, I don't know. There's there's always been money in Europe for these fights that that for for Felix Sturm and things we'd never cared about. So if uh, if, they, if if now that money is being put to better use, I, I'm not gonna ask where it's coming from. I don't know. I don't know European uh, boxing promoters and 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 economies well enough to really you know venture a guess. Um, it's all good with me, though. All right. It's all good because it's all hood. This weekend, Rafe, we've got actually a busy slate. I mean, there's no top shelf fights, if you will, but it's a busy slate of action. We've got a few minutes left. Let's go around the horn. We start Inglewood, California, an HBO card topped by something that, that is sleeper fight of the year action potential. Miguel Burchelt versus Takashi Miura. They're fighting for that WBC junior lightweight belt that Burchelt picked up in a war. This one... I'm fired up, all right? We, Miura obviously has a great history. I mean, was it Vargas? Was that the fight that we were at? Oh, yes. The Canelo Cotto undercard in late 2015. That's one of the three best fights I've ever seen in person. Burchelt coming off a war over, uh, who did he beat? This is a... Uh, he beat Francisco Vargas. Francisco Vargas in that next fight. This is great research by me right here. I am fired up for this one. Who do you think comes out on top? Um, I, 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 so... Miura looked started was starting to look a little bit washed in his last fight on the undercard of the Burchelt Vargas fight uh, earlier this year. He was fighting a bit of a jobber, a tough, you know, uh, tough, you know, a, guy, a durable fighter. Um, I think it was Saul Roman, not maybe not Saul Roman. It was a Roman though. Um, uh, and uh, Miura, you know, had a lot of trouble. He's easy to hit. And he might he might have taken so many shots that 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 chin that was able to keep him in fights and allow him to Miguel land Roman, his, Miguel Roman, um, uh, that chin that was a that that allowed him to uh, to stay in fights and land his very very heavy left hand uh, that that we saw almost knocked you know looked like it had Francisco Vargas uh, ready to to be knocked out uh, before that in, amazing comeback in that fight of the year. Um, you know, I I don't know if uh, if Miura is durable enough to 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 you know survive another war. I think he'll be in there. He's certainly his will is is going to be there. He's going to come in, you know, with that uh, with with yeah. He's going to come in, you know, ready to go to walk through the fires of hell to win. But I think Bruchelt is going to be quick enough and 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 just fresh enough to 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 maybe stop him but def, but probably win convincingly um but if we get old if we get some kind of prime not washed miura watch out cuz that guy can bang 
Look, every time we thought that Orlando Salido was washed, and I know that he's a special case. He's the Mexican Arturo Gatti. He's going to be much more beloved and remembered when he's gone from the sport because he's put together such a run. We may see Miura find one more life when he's just pushed to the brink here. I'm going to favor the fresher, Miguel Burchelt, who really uh, surprised me in taking taking a, a, a small portion of Salido's soul. Right? right? I'm not Salido, of Vargas's soul. Taking a little... After, Sol- after Salido took maybe yeah, a larger chunk of Francisco little... Vargas's soul. A bite out of Vargas's soul in a fight that Vargas's was... soul is is split out there between Miura, Salido, and Burchell. Yeah, I need Burchell a pie got chart. The last little chunk. I need a pie chart. Uh, I, I like Burchell. I think it's going to be action. It's going to contend. There's a co-main that I'm not really moved about when Jezreel Corrales defends his WBA junior lightweight belt against Robinson Castellanos. But we, outside of seeing Mojito Gesta come back on the undercard oh, yeah. off TV, outside of that, we are moved by the 12 round light heavyweight bout. It could be some washed on washed ag. No, no, Joe Smith Jr. is not washed. This is prime Joe Smith Jr. Sullivan Barrera coming off. You know the Andre Ward loss. We don't. We don't. We know he's not elite. He can fight though. The Cuban Smith Barrera could be a really fun fight. I just love the construction worker Joe Smith. I thought he was going to come off of the Bernard Hopkins knockout, the surprising knockout through the ropes, and get a much bigger matchup. I wanted even Shawnee Monahan. I'm sure you did too. This is still an interesting matchup. Do you think Joe Smith keeps the chains moving? Moving here, Rafe. I, I mean, this is going to tell us for sure, you know, what, or maybe not for sure, but give us a much better idea of what Joe Smith Jr. really brings because, you know, he had that that one round knockout upset over Andre Fanfara, you know, who, who had him, who had Smith hurt, but then, you know, got caught and couldn't, couldn't, couldn't recover. Then, you know, then, you know, JSJ comes in and and ends Bernard Hopkins career, which was ready to end. So we still don't know for sure. This is a real test. I mean, Barrera can fight. He, you know, he's, he's not, going to be he's not gonna he's not gonna beat himself he's not going to be he's gonna you know joe smith jr will have to beat him i don't know if he really can uh i think it may end up being a dull fight that that barrera controls with you know movement and a jab and and kind of just becomes a a sort of cuban fighter and 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 out fight and and wins that one i think the winner of this might be our who we see sergey kovalev come back and fight though either way I'd like to see Joe Smith Jr. get a knockout here, and I don't know if I'd like to see him fight Kovalev. I mean, it'd be a little bit of an oddly sexy matchup, like see what we got here, but I think like Joe Smith would be walking right into oncoming traffic, a mean, angry uh, Sergey coming off of two defeats, but hey, we'd find out how good he is. I mean, the problem is with Joe Smith Jr. is I think I know how good he is, and I don't really want him to take that high, high-level leap and then get destroyed, but you know, he'll probably make a career-changing, life-changing payday, and you know, you gotta find out what you really have in the tank. I don't know why I suddenly protect this guy. I just like the story, right? I like the story that he sort of knocked out Hopkins and then went back to the local union, you know. Well, here's the, yeah, here's the thing, Brian. We got to get him on here and, and, and get the story out of him before before the uh, before the end comes. All right, if he beats Sullivan Badede, we will get Joe Smith Jr. on there. So you hardcores, get ready for that. Rounding up, there is uh, our guy we talked about, knockout CP Freshmart in Thailand will be defending his WBA strawweight belt against Ray Loretto, but nobody really cares, but they do care about the PBC did have an extra Fox date that they want to use. Yes, Big Fox, Rafe, Uniondale, Long Island in the main event. Uh, it could be a washed on washed. I mean, Yomar Figueroa is still unbeaten, but he's been out for more than a year with a hand injury against Robert Guerrero, who sort of made it his mission in recent years to kind of be in these high-level brawls on PBC primetime network TV broadcasts against better competition. This is actually kind of an interesting matchup. Even though this is not 
Fox-level main event worthy matchup if we're really being honest it is an interesting matchup of Phantasma Mr. Uh, Mr. CrossFit himself Wash Guerrero against let's see if Omar is still prime I mean Omar Figueroa Jr. despite some good wins over guys like what, Ricky Burns what do you mean still prime what was prime Omar Figueroa losing to Jerry what's his name Belmonte or uh, yeah getting or, the benefit of the doubt on the decision losing to wash Ricky Burns and getting a gift decision I don't know what what, uh, what prime Figueroa was well there was However, a point what, what, what there was a point when we thought he was a legit, like maybe like a new Brandon Rios, right? And then at we lightweight. Now he's fighting at 147 against the King of CrossFit. Look, I did. I, I like this card. I it's full. It's it, I think this main event is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a slobber knocker because uh he you know you Guerrero is going to do what Guerrero seems to enjoy doing over the past few years, which is walk straight up to Figueroa and just start. Throwing, throwing, throwing punches, trying to hurt him, and Figueroa can still punch back. I mean, that is one thing he can do. We'll see who, you know, it, it will. I think we're gonna see like a really fun slobber knocker. I don't know if, you know, the people, the 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 top operator, you know, conversation may uh, may rear its ugly head. Good cop, bad these cop. These guys are just smacking each other up, uh, and and they're not showing a lot of you know high level boxing skills. But the, you know, I think it is going to be an exciting and entertaining fight. And I think the undercard could all. Also provide that with Shawnee Monahan fighting at home in Long Island uh, against Marcus Brown, who's from Staten Island. So it's like a close to a New York. It is a real New York rivalry, and you know the crowd is. They probably put that on the card just in order to fill the arena, because otherwise, who's who from New York is coming out to see Omar Figueroa? Yeah, that's StubHub. That's got StubHub written all over it, right? Uh, and and. I mean, Brown might be able to outbox Monahan, Monahan, who we've never really seen in a, in a competitive sort of fight. I mean, he's been he, he it's everyone who's ever attended a fight at the theater at Madison Square Garden or at Barclays or any. You, he is the fixture of these these eight round like light heavyweight you know slop fest where they just, he just eventually beats someone down. This will be a real test and see if he can actually uh, if he can actually uh, contend with with uh, someone who is sort of like a contender. Although we saw you know. Marcus Brown get that gift decision against Hot Rod. Uh, oh man, I want to say Hot Rod Blagojevich, but that's the former uh, governor of well, Illinois. Great research from both of us ahead of time on here, but then we still have the passion. Our guy Arthur Spielko returns at heavyweight <laughs> against Adam Kaunaki. Uh, but you also, you know what that means? Friday, I will be looking for some tuxedo briefs. So that believe wave, that. Wave. But don't forget to hashtag party at the igloo when Jojo Dan makes a comeback on that undercard in a welterweight fight against Jamal James. Nobody cares about Rafe. To round it out on this weekend in London, we do have an integrative sports pay-per-view. We mentioned it, the super middleweight bout, Chris Eubank Jr. against... And Arthur Abraham, who should be washed, but keeps pulling out these victories every once in a while to prevent that from happening. It's a good little fight here. I like this super middleweight bout. I like Eubank, if he can win this, to really enter that tournament where I don't think there's a lot of juice on that 168 side and maybe enter in there as the favorite because Eubank can fight, right? I mean, he just didn't finish strong against Saunders, but he can punch. Yeah, I think Eubank, I mean, he looks like a, a, a good fighter. I, and... and I don't know if beating Arthur Abraham at this point in his career is going to be the the uh, the proof that he's really elite, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction, and certainly better than the the weird you know uh, uh, blue ball treatment he gave uh, Gennady Golovkin last year, uh, and. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I mean, it's all right. Uh, Arthur Abraham, we kind of saw, I think we saw the the end of Arthur Abraham against against uh, our man Zerdo uh, Ramirez a, a, a year or so ago. 
Uh, I don't know well, you that think he's really going to be any better. Yeah, he yeah. has two wins since then. He beat Robin Krasniki, but who cares about that? It's just that every time we we did think he was done, right? Like he came back and beat Paul Smith twice. Then he suddenly gets a split decision over R- R- Martin Murray. He's fighting Stieglitz for the first for the fourth time and knocking him out. It's like you look back at his record; it doesn't scream washed. But there were periods where we're like, okay, this is the end of of, of what was he the king? What, what was our yeah King Arthur? That was that was yeah, the prime n- nickname. Uh, I think I think he has trouble with guys who are a little bit quicker than him, like. Zerto was and longer, and, and Eubank fits both of those criteria pretty well. He's but he can still not punch. quite as long as Zerto, but uh, he is a lot quicker. And he can still punch, and we know that the Brits sometimes, they got chin issues. We can't lie about that. I mean, it's the truth. Also, Lee yeah. Selby defending his IBF featherweight title against Jonathan Barros on the undercard. Not a bad fight either. I think I'd like to see more Lee Selby in America. I thought he had a good, good little run there when he was on ESPN on PBC. I want to see more of that. Got to get the Welsh Mayweather on the uh, on the uh, Mayweather McGregor undercard. That's what I'm talking about. We also need to get more of the of the Brit scene onto this podcast. Imagine if we get Eddie Hearn on here. We can get the the confirmation we have wanted for years of of what is he is he ropes approved? Would he hang with us? You know, would he put on the vest and hang with us in Vegas while we're getting blown off by Darren Barker? Would that ha- actually he may be the missing link, the glue to get us into Darren Barker's inner circle, so I can finally praise him for having no he had no business getting up off the canvas against Wash Gill from that body shot in Atlantic City that time, but he did. It was a great victory, man. man I'll make this happen. I mean, Let's that that what I, that that round that had me in my in my in my living room going. Barker's going to survive the round. Barker's going to survive the round. (laughs) Great stuff. Rafe, we touched all the boxes. We touched all the field spots this week. We hit it all. Mayweather-McGregor tour continues. We want to give a special thanks to our guest, welterweight titleist Jeff Horn. We look forward to seeing where he's going in the future. But in the future, you can always find us where we are at B. Campbell CBS on Twitter, at Rafe Books. You can buy Rafe's book, Two and Two, McSorley, My Fathers and Me, A Great Father-Son Journey. Rafe, uh, we missing anything else before we give him the two words? I don't believe so, so why don't you lay it on us? We out.